Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. Today on the show, we're talking about the science and art of organizational alignment. Welcome to the Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is the CEO of Infinity Systems Incorporated, a management consulting firm that helps leaders identify and rectify organizational misalignment. Previously, our guest implemented a strategic plan to improve alignment at Medtronic, the world's largest medical technology company, enabling it to grow top-line revenue by 13% year-over-year in a flat market. His new book is The Art of Alignment, a data-driven approach to lead aligned organizations. Here is Art Johnson. Art Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Josh. So I like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Ready. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Well, I just think that leaders need to ask more questions than answer. I think we spend a lot of time you know, working on our career and moving our way up to the top. And once we get in these leadership positions... The tendency is to, you know, feel like you need to answer every single question that, that comes your way. But I, I would suggest that uh, the strongest leaders I've seen push back that notion and ask a better question. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Conscientious, consistent, committed. So the third question is this. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? The question they should ask themselves is, where are the rocks in the road? In other words, as our organization is going about carrying out its mission, vision, and the strategic plan, where are the rocks or the impediments that are making it not such a smooth road? And uh, the degree to which we can get those rocks out of the way, the more efficient and effective the organization will be in terms of running. What's a book that you would recommend to leaders? There's a great book out called Zap, Z-A-P-P. And what it speaks to is this concept of when, a, when you meet with an employee within your organization, you want that employee to leave with more energy than they came with. And so part of that is by pushing decision-making down, allowing people to make their own decisions. What it does, it fosters creativity. It creates an environment where people take some chances. And when you do that, you start getting innovative ideas and wonderful things start to happen. So it, it creates energy within the organization. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Listen, yeah, I think many times we think we know the answer, but uh, we, ha we have to listen. And uh, we have to listen attentively. Active listening is critical. So I wouldn't say listening, I'd say active listening. And finally, we have what we call our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Depends on the situation. <laughs> I think there are times when, uh, when why not's definitely appropriate. You know, people are challenging certain uh, things that have always been axioms. 
and uh, to push back and say, why not? Why, why, why not do it differently? I think is an appropriate question. But then also, also ask why. We chose something. We, we've picked this particular path. What made us come to that conclusion? Both of which are great questions for leaders to ask. We'll be back with the rest of our interview right after this. As the leader of your organization, you have a lot on your plate. You work most of your day, leaving you little time to think about your own development. There's a resource for you, and it's called the Leadership Action List. Get the best leadership development tips for leaders by leaders at leadershipactionlist.com. The best news? It's free. Once again, for a year's worth of weekly leadership development, download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. So we are here today, as you have talked about just briefly earlier, Art, your new book, The Art of Alignment, A Data-Driven Approach to Lead Aligned Organizations. Well, in just a second, I'd like to hear a little bit about the book and some of your inspirations for writing the book, maybe some of the, the things you've seen along your career that made you think this is the book that needs to be written. But also, did you always know that you're going to write a book and include your name in the title, or was that just something that happened by accident? You know, it happened by accident. There's an element of it that's an art, but there's also an element of it that's a science. And so what we've done is kind of blended the two and used data to make informed decisions in terms of measuring things that historically we wouldn't be able to measure, things like teamwork, things like creativity. All these are important pillars to driving real alignment within an organization. Going back to your original question, the inspiration was simple. Over the course of my career, I've been able to move up the ranks pretty quickly and establishing myself in leadership roles and, and just thinking about things that propelled my career, whether it was in uh, corporate America, before that, sports and college and high school and whatnot, then coaching my kids and so on and so forth. There's been this common element of high-performing organizations and or teams. And what I found is that the more you can get everybody on the same page, in other words, aligned around a common goal, the better the organization performs, period. So then the question became, well, how do you measure that? And so as we began to unpack this thing, then you start thinking about, all right, well, what are the elements that kind of go into this? And I've been kind of tinkering with this thing for a lot of years, Josh. Over the past 15, almost 20 years, you know, it was pretty clear what the, what the nine pillars of alignment are. Now it's just a matter of, are we asking the right questions to ascertain the level of proficiency in each and every one of these pillars? And then by bringing them all together in a crescendo sort of effect, uh, we measure something called the orgometric score. That's what we're after is the orgometric score, the degree to which we're aligned around all these kind of common variables. Some might be stronger than others, but the combination produces something phenomenal. So real quick, a question about the orgometric score. Does each of these nine pillars, are they all equally valuable as you're trying to figure out what your score is? I guess, how should people be thinking about these pillars? And particularly in your book, you kind of have it set up as a pyramid. Is there any reason for that? Or what, what is your thinking behind these nine pillars? It's just a way of kind of capturing them. Certainly the, the things at the top, you want to be focused on, on leadership. Communication is an important baseline sort of thing to be contemplating as well. So, so there's a little bit of magic to the, uh, the order in which they're in, but they're all measured equally. And so it's important to us that uh, each, every one of them is considered. And then the degree to which uh, one organization is more effective at another particular pillar, we can leverage best practices there. And we've created sort of an ecosystem of, of organizations that we've worked with and can kind of help them facilitate discussions in the areas where they might be a little deficient. But at the end of the day, you know, you've got the nine constructs are measured equally and that weighted score produces what we call an orgometric score, which defines the degree of alignment. 
And I want to spend most of our interview focusing on these nine pillars, but you start off the book focusing on leaders. And I'd just like to hear your thoughts on the leader aligning themselves well first. Any any thoughts there? You've worked with leaders. You've been a leader. How much does the leader need to have their stuff in order before they get started with the organization? That's a great question. You know, that's that's the first step coming in. I'll tell you, going into Medtronic, it was pretty straightforward for me. My uh, father died of sudden cardiac arrest and he had a Medtronic pacemaker. But what he needed was a defibrillator and he'd still be alive if he had one. That would have kicked him out of that sinus arrhythmia that, uh, that ultimately led to his death. And uh, like I said, we'd still have him. And the interesting thing about this, Josh, there are major disparities in healthcare today between if you are an African-American male and you have a certain arrhythmia and you should be getting a certain therapy, you are five times less likely to get that therapy. And so that in and of itself created this real purpose for me coming in so that people didn't have to experience what I experienced, which was literally my father dying in my arms. By addressing this and identifying these areas and opportunities to bring therapy to all people throughout the United States, we were really able to grow top line revenue, which is a function of addressing these healthcare disparities. That's real purpose. So now when you step into this role as vice president of sales, and you can now have an immediate impact on something that matters to you, boy, that really speaks to purpose. And so the degree to which we as individuals can find our purpose in the work that we do, it just makes it such that we bring nothing but energy and passion to the work. We don't get tired. And our performance is phenomenal. This might be too personalized of a question in that it might be so different from person to person. But when you entered into leadership at Medtronic, you had that purpose, you had that passion, that vision, that drive. For someone who doesn't have such a a strong push behind what they're doing, any recommendations for getting to that point? Well, I think the first thing is, is to look at the mission. And does the mission and vision of the organization, are they consistent with things that you believe? And the degree to which they are speaks to elements of alignment. And so you then are, are more aligned around the uh, mission and vision of the organization and more apt to lean in. And it's also, as a leader, it's much easier to sell the vision to the organization, which is a critical component of leadership, sell the vision. Uh, and that's getting the organization, your leadership team, fully aligned around the goals and direction that the organization is headed. And so it's harder to sell it if you don't believe it. So the first step is, is is looking at it, understanding it, thinking about it, contemplating it, looking at the degrees in which it aligns with things that matter to you. And uh, the more lines, the better. Otherwise, if, if you can't get those things to match up, you might want to think about doing something else. And that happens to be the first pillar of your nine pillars of alignment. Would you like to add anything else? Because, you know, going through all nine pillars, at least briefly, would be really helpful. But anything additional to add as far as the organizational perspective goes for the mission and vision? Well, I I think, you know, the idea here is understanding it. I I spoke at a graduate class, uh, graduate level course at uh, Villanova. 44 students just asked a simple question. I'll give $100 to anybody in this room that can accurately recite their mission statement. And these are middle managers and above. Only two attempted it. And neither one of them were right. One got close, but neither one were right. So many times, Josh, we're not able to recite the mission. So how can we as an organization expect people to be fully vested in this idea of where we're headed when oftentimes they're not even 
fully aware of the mission statement in and of itself. Medtronic was a mission-driven company, so many people could recite the mission. But unfortunately, when we got further away from headquarters, the message started to kind of blur a little bit. We started experiencing a little bit of attenuation. So we had to strengthen the signal and repeat the message. So when it comes to the mission and vision, and and I guess for each of these following pillars as we're talking about them, kind of what is the problem and then what is uh, the solution or something that a leader could be thinking about when it comes to the mission and vision? Is it just a matter of repeating it and making sure that people know about it, posting it up on the wall? Any recommendations there for aligning yourself and your organization to the mission and vision? Well, we did some interesting stuff, Josh. We created these laminated luggage tags, bookmarkers, screensavers, just to keep it in front of us, right? Alleviate pain, restore health, and extend life. Just fully imbued in our minds so that we're not only clear on a day-to-day basis as to what it is, what our charge is to go do, but things to contemplate. If we're ever in a situation where we're wondering, you know, what should I do? We can always kind of harken back to the mission vision and, uh, and make the determination from there. So that we've kind of got our guardrails in some respects. But yeah, every organization is different and everybody learns differently. So some people need to hear it a lot. Some people need to see it a lot. We just wanted to make sure that it was uh, accessible, visible, and uh, continued to be uh, repeated in strategic planning sessions. Every one of my meetings, we discussed it. So it, it was important. So what is pillar number two? Well, you know, the other ones, I think, like communication. You know, this is one of those ones where, you know, we historically think about, are we communicating, you know, vertically within our organization? Are we good at getting the message to the individual contributor level? That's an important component. But just as important is, are we communicating horizontally? And so are we talking amongst our peers? Are our handoffs smooth and crisp? Are they seamless within our organization? Which fosters the next element that I want to talk about, which is teamwork. How do we operate as a team? Are those handoffs crisp and smooth? That requires communication. Real quick question when it comes to horizontal communication. One of the things that I've talked about as I've gone through a PhD program that I'm currently going through is making sure that you're always aware of what's happening within your industry, outside of your organization to keep an eye on the horizon. Any insight there when it comes to teamwork or communication, that horizontal communication that doesn't only happen within the organization, but you can also make sure that you're aligning your organization so that things on the outside don't affect you in a negative way. Boy, I tell you, Josh, that's a beautiful question there because what it does is it gets us into another pillar, which is this concept of best practices. Are we humble enough? Do we have enough organizational humility to look look outside of our organization to find better ways of doing our work? That is a legitimate question because I think about IBM back in the the mid eighties, mid to late eighties, we felt like we hired the best and the brightest. Medtronic was no different. Felt like we hired the best and the brightest. And so therefore we didn't need to look outside of our organization to find better ways of, of doing our work or more efficient ways, which is a falsehood. That is completely untrue. And then we saw organizations like Microsoft and Apple kick our butts because, again, we wouldn't look outside of, our, outside of our, our doors or our walls. And so we have to do that. We have to go benchmark. We have to look at other organizations, even organizations from different industries, because we can begin to solve some of the challenges that we're facing just by looking outside of our doors and, and, and finding different ways of doing the work that we do. So when it comes to best practices, the the other thing I think of is another pillar of yours, which is creativity. I'm probably the last person to read this in the business world, but I just finished reading Grant Cardone's The 10X Rule, and he talks about how sometimes best practices keep you in a, a standard way of thinking, and there's some, some validity to that. But 
you also need to make sure that you're following best practices if you want to be growing and doing the best you possibly can. He was kind of almost, it seems like he was talking about creativity. So I'd just like to hear your thoughts on maybe the juxtaposition or the relationship between best practices, the standards, plus creativity. Well, so creativity, we measure that one independently because one, you've got best practices looking outside of our organization and inside, or there are other places in the business or organization that we're doing things better. But creativity speaks to a couple of things, right? If this is the the leading indicator, if you will, to innovation, we have to have it. And so part of this is a combination of having the right kind of culture, which requires a little bit of risk-taking. Can we take some chances? Can we butt up against the guardrails, try some things differently? And do we have a mechanism in our organization by which we can identify and capture new ideas, different ways of doing things? And then do we have a repository by which we keep these things and a way by which we can take and imbue them into the organization. And many times we have these wonderful ideas, but there's no way to get, get them to become actionable. And so we have to kind of have both moments, right, or both elements. One, the way to capture them, but two, a way by which we can leverage and use these within the organization. And that requires intentionality. So the next pillar is development. Any thoughts on development and some things that leaders can be thinking about as far as including development as part of their alignment practices? Well, so training is what is the first thing everybody thinks about. And you have to have that, right? you got to give people the necessary tools to be effective in what it is that you're asking them to go do. Otherwise, they feel like you're setting them up for failure. And they will push back against that. They will do things that sabotage the organization because, again, they feel like the organization is setting them up to fail. The other thing I'd like for us to contemplate, leaders in general to contemplate, We think about this idea of development. Are you giving me the mechanism by which I can round my resume? In other words, giving me experiences and opportunities such that if for some reason there's a downsizing and you need to fire me, I can still land on my feet. Think of it like this. It's that implicit relationship between employee and employer. I'm going to give you my best work, but in return, not only do I need the tools necessary for my job, but let me round my resume so I can land on my feet. Not everybody's capable of having that conversation. You know, especially, you know, the introverts, it's just not an easy conversation. It's awkward, but nonetheless, it's an important and people vote with their feet. I love what you just said about the relationship between the employer and the employee, which leads to another pillar yet again. And you might develop even more than this, this two way relationship, but the idea of empowerment, the pillar of empowerment. So this again is, is the idea of pushing decision-making down. It's the belief that, that people that are closer to the customer People that are closer to the the main core work that needs to be done have better insight as to what's needed to get done most effectively. And so the degree to which we can push those decisions, decisions down in the organization, we get faster, better decisions. It creates energy within the organization, and it leads to that next pillar, which is accountability. You can't have accountability without empowerment unless you're running a paramilitary organization. Think about it. If I tell you what to do and then you go do it, are you empowered? Not at all. So who's really accountable when I tell you to do it? I am. When I recognize you for the work that you've done, who am I really recognizing? Myself. So I have to push decision-making down, create the energy within the organization, hold those individuals accountable for the outcomes, but they're more apt to perform at a higher level when they have a vested interest because they are the ones that are going to get credit for the work, but they're also the ones that have the energy and the ideas that they brought to the opportunity to drive the uh, outcome. 
And then the final pillar of these nine pillars is leadership. In my mind, this kind of goes throughout, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on this pillar as a, a standalone or an element of these nine. So the concept of alignment in general is the strength of harmony between strategy, structure, and culture. And so a leader touches in every one of those aspects, strategy, you know, let, let's begin to put the ideas forward that help us move in a direction to realize our vision and our mission. Again, we, we talked a little bit about this culture of innovation, of creativity, of risk-taking. Leaders have to do that. They have to say, hey, look, it's okay to mis- have a mistake or make a mistake. It's okay to take a chance. And you're not going to get blasted for doing that. And so the degree to which we do that, we start to get these innovative ideas and creative juices get the flowing, and there's energy in the organization. So, and then the structure of, of it is, is a function of putting the right names in the right boxes and organizing those boxes in the most efficient and effective way. And Josh, this is where we got to be really careful as leaders, because many times what we're trying to do is um, hire people of our own likeness. We're not necessarily considering that we're, we get better ideas by having diverse thought. And so the degree to which we're not employing a sort of cronyistic mentality in the organization is going to put us in a place where we can, we can really thrive. So leaders have to be cognizant of, of the structural aspect as well. Well, listeners, you've just gotten the nine pillars of alignment. These are once again, mission and vision, communication, creativity, accountability, best practices, empowerment, teamwork, leadership, and development. At least one of those pillars, you've probably thought about how you can be doing a better job of aligning within your organization. But go back if you need to listen again, think through how you can begin aligning these elements within your organization so that you can be better aligned and uh, a healthier organization through and through. Now, Art, before we finish up today, I always like to see if if there's anything that we missed, we had so much to cover and so little time. Obviously, people can find out more about this in your book, but any final thoughts that you'd like to either reiterate or maybe something we haven't had a chance to talk about at all yet today? You know, Josh, we touched on it a little bit, but I just want to reiterate the notion of asking better questions. You know, and I, I hearken back to my father, used him as an example earlier. And uh, my dad was, you know, only army trained. I'm first generation to go to college. But dad, uh, had a way of just asking, asking appropriate questions. So I can remember as a kid cutting the grass. And after I got done, dad came out to see, inspect the work. And I asked him, what do you think? And he looked at me and asked an even better question. He said, Art, is this your best work? And I looked and saw a strip that I had missed. I looked at him. I said, no, it's not my best work. Then he asked me one more question, which was, when do you think we'll see your best work? So boom, fire that lawnmower back up, finish the job. And I got the message loud and clear that we're expecting to see your best work. There was no fire and brimstone message there. It was just kind of a straightforward kind of thing. And, and I've learned from that all along, you know, as a kid, but now as an adult, that we've got to ask effective questions to uh, derive the outcome that we're looking for. Well, Art, if people have enjoyed what they've heard from you today and want to find out more about you and the work that you do, where would you like for them to go to do that? Well, I, you know, I think you've, you've mentioned the book, obviously coming to uh, our website, uh, orgametrics.net. Also, we've introduced a new tool called Equimetrics, which measures the cultural competency of an organization. So it's Equimetrics, E-Q-U-I-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot net. Awesome. Well, Art, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Josh, pleasure. It's all mine. 
I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Art. If you want to connect with him, I encourage you to look at the show notes below or at lifeasleadership.com and find links where you can do just that. I also encourage you to sign up, as always, for the free leadership action list, which is 52 actions that you can take to improve your leadership. You can download the leadership action list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.